Okay, everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is the second episode of Boricua. Um, in this episode, we will be talking with Joe, um, Liam's father. Um, Joe was born in New York and then moved around the East Coast for a while, eventually ended up in California and later in uh, Missouri, as you'll hear. Um, this episode is interesting. Joe talks a lot about um, spiritualism and how it felt growing up as a mixed kid in the um, East Coast. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, thanks for listening. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? How's everything? I feel like I need a cigarette. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, just... Yeah, like a thing in. This is Caitlin Stewart. I am a graduate student with the University of Kansas, and I'm here today with Joe. Thank you for being here, Joe. You're welcome. Um, so my first question for you, Joe, is a very simple one. Um, what year were you born in? I was born in 1971, uh, the end of February. And, uh, okay, where were you born at? I was born in Queens, New York, in Ozone Park. Um, tell me more about your parents. Um, who were your parents? Where were they from? Stuff like that. Okay, are we doing like names or... You can, or okay. just more, maybe just like, you know, sure. what were they like, you know, so, where were they from? Sure. So my father, Joe, uh, is he was of Irish descent. He was um, from, uh, I believe, Bronx, New York, as was my mother. Uh, her family is from, uh, came from Puerto Rico in the 50s, uh, or, or like 1950, 51, maybe 49, 50, that kind of thing. My, my mother was born here in the States, in Bronx, New York. And we, uh, when I was born, we were living in New York for a while in Queens, New York. Then we moved to Pennsylvania until I was about, I believe, four or five. And then we moved back to New York. And then when I was six in 77, well, three months before Star Wars came out, actually, <laughs> A New Hope, uh, we moved to Grant, Connecticut. Uh, my dad was in the Navy and he was, uh, uh, he was working on one of the ships. Uh, out there, and so I, I forget the name, escapes my mind right now, I'll probably remember it later, but um, anyway, he, that's where we lived for like the next uh, nine years, in 86, in 86, my mother remarried uh, when I was 12, and um, 12, 13, now 12, golly, the years are escaping me, <laughs> sorry about that, that's fine, but um, then we moved to Rhode Island, my dad got a, my stepdad got a re-finishing uh, a furniture shop and so that's where I spent my um, my high school years and then what's called for a stint for about a year then that didn't work out came back for another three years stayed with my folks and went back to college in 93 uh, in Arkansas and almost 30 years ago next summer and I met my wife the very next year in 94. Cool. Um, what year did you guys get married? Uh, Rebecca and I got married on uh, July 4th, 1997, believe it or not. <laughs> the joke was I had was that the rest of the country be celebrating our anniversary of fireworks. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Um, but uh, yeah, we got married in 97 um, out in California, where she was from. And that's basically where I changed my residency, because I was uh, from Rhode Island before that. Mm -hmm. And we basically met in the center of the country, got married out on the West Coast, and uh, uh, our first son, Joel, was born about a year and a half later, 
or the end of quarter, end of September 98. And then our second son, Liam, was born at the end of June in 2000. Um, so, out of all the places that you've lived, what would you say is your favorite? And maybe some reasons why, if you have any. So, probably, oh gosh, in, like in the past 20 years, we've moved about 10 times. <laughs> uh, some of my favorite, uh, probably my favorite place was in, uh, we lived in a small town in California called Ferndale. It's basically like a Victorian village. Uh, really nice. Um, it's the kind of place that had like, it's the grocery store on the street, bookstore. A lot of it changed about halfway through our tenure because we were there for about 10 years, like from 99 to 09. And um, so there were a lot of changes about halfway through. And we we actually moved twice. Um, the second house we lived in was really nice. And I think our landlord would have offered it to us if we had stayed, um, where we could pay it off. Um, it was a really, um, really great place for the kids to grow up, uh, out in the Redwoods, that kind of thing. So it was nice, but we needed a change. Uh, we were church planting out there and it was, um, a very rough area, not, not the best place. Um, and we needed, we, we felt that it was time to leave and then we moved to Mexico. Um, but I think California is probably one of the best places. I'm enjoying Missouri though, because we have our own place out here, so that's, Nice, have a real piece of property, you know, mm -hmm. so. Um, did you have a favorite as a kid, or were they all kind of Oh, like this, <laughs> as a kid? Okay, so, yeah. so I'll say I did not like Rhode Island, and I don't know, I guess there were a lot of things. It was kind of weird because it was right next door to Connecticut, but it was kind of like, you know, I've, I was in Connecticut from kindergarten to ninth, to graduate from ninth grade. And it was a whole thing of, you know, like, not seeing my friends in high school. It was a whole new place. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't necessarily like that. It was a whole different culture. Um, in some ways, it was kind of almost like pre-civil rights era, you know, just dealing with some prejudices, unfortunately. I, I didn't like that. Um, so when I was growing up, I guess Grant and Connecticut, I really enjoyed because that was kind of like my hometown, mm -hmm. you know. Do you have any memories at all of New York? I do. Um, I I can remember. Um, so when I was, I remember the couple of years before we moved to Connecticut, like 75, 76, and 77. Uh, I was in daycare. I remember that. I remember playing up, up on the roof, and that was kind of cool, you know, because it was in the city. Um, we lived in the Grand Concourse like several blocks down the street from the Yankee Stadium. And uh, and I remember some of it. You know, like I remember where we lived. I remember, um, I do remember my, uh, my uncle and aunt, my cousin lived downstairs from us. We lived on the fifth floor. They lived on the first floor. And I do remember um, just about every day going downstairs. My uncle came home and he brought some jazz records. Really enjoyed that a lot. Uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of like some of it's in bits and pieces, some of it I can kind of piece together from pictures, but you know, it's, and lately I've been trying to do that past couple of years, trying to like map out the past portions of my life, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, there, there are several things. Like I remember in Central Park, uh, that kind of thing, very beautiful area. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, but it, like I said, it was a long time ago, and we'd visit, like, at Christmas, you know, that kind of thing, but it was, it almost seems like a whole other world, the way, like, a whole other country. Yeah. Um, how would you say, um, I guess, how would you say, like, some of these different places, what sorts of impacts did they have on, like, how you, who, what kind of person you became, like, who were you like different areas that you grew up in? Did sure. they have different impacts on you? Sure. Um, well, uh, when I lived in Connecticut, because like I said, New York was kind of pretty early. It was kind of like six years old and prior. Mm-hmm. Um, living in Connecticut, um, you know, like it was in the 80s and we rode our bikes everywhere um, kind of a thing. And it was like the whole Star Wars era first coming out and some of my friends, like the Star Wars action figures and that kind of had a big impact because it was like we'd make up stories and I used to enjoy making up stories when I was a kid and that kind of, I think that kind of laid the foundation uh, to me wanting to become a writer later on because mm-hmm. I would enjoy doing that. We'd write like short stories in class and I would really enjoy that. And I think that was really pivotal, like some of the movies and some of the stories that I was exposed to when I was a kid and it kind of like, it's interesting, it was kind of like, um, Star Wars Galaxy and Middle Earth, you know, mm-hmm. Tolkien and Lucas, you know, like that, that was always in my head, you know, and, and so it was like the galaxy far, far away and world building, and I was always into that and the stories, making them up. So that had an impact there. When I was in Rhode Island in high school, I started doing a little bit more writing, and I found I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, and uh, in fact, um, I kind of, I, I started writing just a little bit of stories. Uh, 87 was a pivotal year. I was visiting my real dad out in Virginia. And before I left, he gave me um, my first Stephen King book I read, The Talisman. And right around the same time, before I even left over there in Virginia when I was visiting, I started to write um, some mound stories. That would continue to later on, a part of a trilogy I want to eventually uh, get on paper. And so and that kind of continued. And so with that, Rhode Island was kind of like I formulated more becoming a writer of what I wanted to do. And then I kind of gave up on it. And I always revisited over the years. Like in California, I visited it some more. And I found here in Missouri, I think in New Mexico, I didn't even look at it that much at all. Like I knew it was there. And like I showed the boys my writings and stuff. But I really didn't do much with it because I was so busy doing other things. Mm-hmm. And it was out here when I came to Missouri that I did a first attempt at possibly a career and it didn't pan out. And it wasn't until the pandemic came that I was actually offered a real opportunity. And it was in July of 2020 that I made the decision that I was going to pursue it and I got my first gig was um, editing a book uh, for a mission, an Indian missionary. And I found that I really enjoyed that a lot, proofreading, editing, that kind of thing. And I had a little bit of things here, a little bit of ghostwriting here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of dry, so I was looking for other work as well, and I was, but I was still applying to be a writer. And then the current job I had was someone who reached out to me this past May. And I've been working with them ever since. And so it's been... 
July, August, September, October, November. Five months now. I'm on a six-month contract, and I'll probably get it renewed in December. It's exciting. It is. Yeah. It is. I'm doing what I love. Uh, it, it's when you when you do what you love, it doesn't feel like work. Mm -hmm. it, it isn't work at all. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of to pivot a little bit. Um, my question sort of about um. You already answered it a little bit, um, and if you don't want to go into more detail, that's okay, but um, sort of like what, what was your experience as someone that was Puerto Rican in these different areas? Um, how did that change, that sort of thing? Yeah, okay. No, I don't mind. It's, it, I guess one word that really defined it is complicated. It's um, when you're biracial, there is the complication there of... Um, coming from a, um, I guess a heritage of two cultures uh, you know of white and Latin or Hispanic and there's that push and pull um, for me in particular it was uh, speaking with an accent you know you're not aware you speak with an accent it's not like you, like, you try to make an affectation of how you sound mm -hmm. I mean, unless you're doing impersonations, that kind of thing. But um, there was always the assumption of you speak with an accent that you think with an accent. So in other words, you know that you're less less than human in some ways. You know, you're sub. Um, and so it was kind of like, you know, you're not white enough on the white side. And then on the Latin side, you're not, you may as come across as not being Latin enough. Especially if your last name is in Spanish, and it's like, what kind of last name is that? I would get that kind of thing. And so, um, I will admit that, like, I took Spanish, and I saw it as kind of like this sacred kind of thing, you know. Like, and don't get me wrong, I love learning other languages, but I, I think I took it on as kind of like, like I wanted to be like my surrogate superpower. Mm -hmm. And my relationship with the island is. <clears throat> Uh, it's complicated. Um, for me, the island was like something I visited three times. Okay, I visited PR, Puerto Rico, three times. Once in 1980. I'm sorry, no, 81. And it was right before the airlines went on strike in the Reagan administration. And so uh, a two week. Uh, vacation turned into three months. So basically I stayed there all summer because we weren't sure when we were coming home. That was kind of interesting. I was nine. And um, and so that, that was nine, nine, maybe ten. And so that's kind of how that happened. So I stayed there. I was with my cousins. And that was really interesting. I remember bits and pieces of that. Then I went in 1990. And that was after like my first year of college where it didn't work out. And I kind of, my parents bought me a plane ticket and said, you're going to Puerto Rico, stay with your relatives. 19, swore I was going to stay there for the rest of my life. Uh, because, you know, isn't that how it is when you're 19? You're going to stay at this place, you know, forever. And you don't, it's like three months. So I was there for about three months. And see another three months. And so uh, that was kind of interesting. I actually did some more writing there as well. I did do some, that trilogy I mentioned. And after that, 
I went back again, right before I went to Harding. My folks were, they figured that my grandparents were getting on in years and this might be the last time I'd see them. And that was pretty foresighted because it was. Uh, and so I went in 93, actually about a month before I went to Harding. And I did go for two weeks. That's <laughs> so the last time was for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was, I'll say this, it was very different than, than the three years prior. Like 1993, I guess it was, I was a diff, very different person. Mm-hmm. Like in 90, it was kind of like my tail was between my legs and it was kind of like I failed as an adult, you know, and, and so I was, you know, you know, kind of like weakened by it. But then the next time I went, it was kind of like, you know, like in a video game, like when you get, you know, your health points back up to green and it kind of felt like that. Like it was like, okay, you know, like I'm on top. I'm doing this. I'm going back to college. I'm going to finish when it started, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting. Um, I can tell you about what happened, if you want to know. If you want to, you can. Okay. I mean, that's part of what this is about, but it, I don't want you to this share is, anything you don't want to share. This is kind so. of behind the real kind of stuff. It's okay. Are you cool with that? Okay. So, it's kind of interesting. So... When I went to Puerto Rico in 1993, uh, I had no idea uh, what kind of experience I was going to go through in a two-week period. Um, it was very, uh, it was very spiritual, I could say that. Um, so I was kind of hanging out with my aunts, my youngest aunt, and uh, my mom's youngest sister, and um, she had a friend. Um, there on the island and so we met up real nice guy and it comes about that um almost kind of like shaman kind of stuff and we went to a cave i actually went to a cave in the center of the island and it was where so like the Taino indians right like Mm -hmm. when they revolted against the spanish they this is one of the places that they met and they have these um, stones he said kind of curved called duos, right? Duos that they would sit on and they met there. And it was kind of like you could feel their presence. And there was very much of a, I could feel the presence of things. Mm-hmm. And oh, this is going to sound crazy. Like, I could feel things faster. Okay. And, you know, if you want to take that out, that's fine. You know, no. it sounds a little too weird. No. And um, I encountered things there and um, just, it was very much like a spiritual battle, um, and it was very real. I mean, it, it was literally I got to peek behind the veil. I saw behind the veil, and um, it was very strange, kind of scary. Um, I went through it, and it was like at one point I remember um, there was one incident that occurred that was kind of frightening. Um, so the Saturday before I left, my other aunt, my, my older sister, uh, came down to the island. And so her and my other son and myself went out to Old San Juan, you know, the stores and everything. Went to this really cool Jamaican shop. It was really nice. See, like the, the red, uh, yellow, and green belts and chains and medallions and all kinds of stuff. And it was, it was two rooms, right? And... 
It wasn't right. like it was like separated by door. It was just like two rooms that were kind of like had the wall knocked out. So like one huge room. And in the other portion of the store was um, like statues, like African statues. You know, like the, the ones that are um, in appearance, they're kind of sometimes, they may be short in height, but they're kind of like skinny, mm-hmm. like versions of people. And like dark wood, like ebony, that kind yeah. of thing, right? And so there was all different kinds there, right? Just up against this wall. And I walk in to that room, just checking things out. And you know that scene in Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, where Frodo's on the road and it kind of goes mm-hmm. like that. He's like, get yeah. off the road, right? When I saw that movie, it was like that feeling came back again. Like it totally triggered me. And there would be shadows that came out where the statues were mm-hmm. coming towards me. And I flipped out and ran out of the store. And so my oldest aunt, she was like, let's go. And I told her, she said, let's go by the ocean. Because the idea is, is in a lot of indigenous traditions, is that spirits are attracted to water. Some, some we used to do it like where you put a glass of water behind the door. Mm-hmm. So that anything bad will be attracted to light. Don't go into that. It's different. It's kind of strange. I know it's something, but that's just, just the idea. And so it was kind of like I had something like that that was following me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so it persisted, um, even into Harding, for the first year. Uh, but that's been kind of like my experience with Puerto Rico. It's like I said, it's kind of like like I pursued it, and it's kind of this is gonna sound so strange. It's kind of like. Like when you like someone and you get friend zone. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of felt like I got friend zone by Puerto Rico. Like I really wanted to embrace, but it was kind of like, nah, mm-hmm. you know. This is kind of like, I love the island, it's beautiful and everything, but it's kind of like, it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And so there was a portion of time when I pursued it, even at Harding. And then I stopped. I think it was around the time kids were born. And I think why I stopped was I didn't want the boys to go through what I went through. I'm kind of feeling like, oh, you're half, you know, like you're complete, being biracial, you know, comes with this weird baggage. And I think in some ways I made a mistake because, like, <coughs> I wanted them, I should have let them pursue the culture, which I'm glad we're doing <coughs> now. You know, we're, we're all getting into it, so I'm glad. It's just, it hasn't been easy for me. And so that's kind of, like I said, it's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what sorts of like um, traditions um, do you still kind of like, are there any traditions that you try to uphold now from, you know, like, like your Puerto Rican um, heritage or yeah. anything like that? Um, well, what's kind of funny is like, like I said, like I've mentioned before, like I kind of shied away from it, right? Mm-hmm. And when Rebecca and I, you know, like even our first year we were married, she had gotten um, my grandfather's recipes for Christmas, you know, the, the, the food that he cooked. And so she wanted to continue those traditions, right? And I told her, I was like, hey, you don't have to, don't think you have to for me, blah, blah, blah. And, like, she goes, and she's like, no, I want to. And I was like, okay, that's cool, you know? And I was like, I didn't want her to feel like, oh, we had to do this, you know, kind of thing. Uh, because I wasn't sure how I felt 
But the fact that she continued it, it actually felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, I said so. I was like, man, I'm like a little kid in my grandfather's house again. You know, mm-hmm. you know the cooking, and we kept that for years, and we do it every year. And that is something that's strong. We do um, the Noche de los Reyes, which is the Day of the Kings, on January sixth, and that's kind of like our Christmas. You know. Mm-hmm. Like December twenty fifth is Christmas, but it's kind of like it's not a big deal if we don't celebrate then. But like January sixth is the bigger one mm-hmm. for us, and you know we enjoy that. Um, but we do like a lot of the cooking. Um, I myself have been starting to pursue things within like the past year. I think seeing like when we went to go see In the Heights, mm-hmm. like that really kind of like it awoke something that had been asleep with me for a long time. And so, like, even, like, this hat I have on, you know, mm-hmm. it's from Puerto Rico. And so it's kind of like I have been pursuing it again. And, but I've been, it's very different now. And I think I'm approaching it more in a mature way. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd like to go back to the island um, someday with Rebecca. I'm not sure I necessarily want to see the drop of my family. Like, I just want to <laughs> enjoy our time there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um... Um, okay. Um, how do you think that if it does, um, that your ethnicity like impacts the way that you see yourself? Um, or does it, um, does it have to, but, um, does it like, or possibly the way others see you? Um, again, you don't want to answer any of these questions. You sure. Have to, no, no. Um, now it's kind of like I um, I don't care about the same. You know, I mm-hmm. it used to. I, I don't know. I think it was when I was little. I kind of cared about it, and then it was kind of like, oh, it's like the superpower kind of thing. You know, like, oh yeah, I'm this. You know, kind of like I can embrace it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then I felt like I was kind of rejected, so I was kind of like I wasn't sure what you know, what kind of thing, and um. I think that's actually when I when I politically became very conservative, you know, and then it was kind of like the past two years, like especially not, you know, like I just got jarred back out of that, and I'm so mm-hmm. thankful. And it's kind of like like it's okay to embrace this, you know, mm-hmm. and and I'm in a different place now. So I, I I embrace it and it it feels different. It feels very cool, um, and I like it. And it's kind of like it's something that I can share with the kids, mm-hmm. you know, with the boys, and uh, and it's because some it's something that they they told me things that they saw, and it was like, and I'm really sorry that it happened, like because I, it was things that I was wanting to avoid with them experiencing, but they saw that I experienced the racism in my own life, how I was treated. And I tried to play it, and it was even with the family, and like, I tried to play it off like whatever. Mm-hmm. But they saw, and I was like, wow, that really impacted them. And so, I was like, that had an impact on me. And it was like, now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, the island doesn't have to accept me for me to enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know? And I can enjoy, I can enjoy that culture, and I can actually find a very openness with it, mm-hmm. you know, because it is very open and loving and 
Um, it's something I can share with the boys and with Rebecca. And like I have my mom here. That helps too. You know, like, you know, like some of those traditions. Cause I kind of learn things that I've forgotten or research it myself. Mm-hmm. You know. So do you think um, like the act of remembering has an impact, I guess, like on how like you would change your identity, not change your identity, but how your identity like changes throughout the years? Um, I guess, I don't know how to word this again. But <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because of this, the decisions that I've made now, it, um, it, it, it's, it has been very impactful. Um, I think because it's like, it comes back to that. Um, when you're biracial, <laughs> like for me, it's so funny. It's like, it's like Spock is my patron saint, you know, because he's like half human, half Vulcan, and he like, mm-hmm. he had to find his own way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you have to find like this third way. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you have to come to terms. Like the biracial child, the biracial person, you, you don't hear a lot about, you know, kind of a thing. And it's like a lot of times you don't realize what you're experiencing until, like, like I said, like Liam was the one who actually pointed it out. You know, like this person was the way they treated you, like they saw it. And you're, it's like the trauma blinds you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To where it's kind of like, that's not really happening, or it's like, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's not whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because it is the trauma that's there. But it's kind of like, you have to decide um, where you want to take it. You know, like, you can either... I could just stay in this one place, like, trying to figure things out, you know, like, being spun around three times, frozen in a place, or I can find my own way. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's kind of like, like in my own life, I've always like explorers, mm-hmm. you know, people are pioneers, you know, like that they, that there are places that they've never, people never been to before, that they went, that they traveled those roads, like they were the first ones to lay the path down. And it's kind of like, and I think because it was a part of myself, my being telling me that you're going to need to come to terms with this and make your own way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and forge this this path in your life that you can come to terms with. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Um, this is my last thing real quick, and I think that's a good place to end, but um, that's, you know, in trauma theory, which is something we're talking about in this class, um, the act of, like, telling a story is very important to, like, like and, like, re-remembering you know, the things that have happened to you in the past and then telling your own story about what your life means to you Mm -hmm. um, is important to the act of healing. So I think that's very relevant to where you're at in your life right now. Um, And I think you're a storyteller, and I think that's really cool about you can tell your own story, um, that sort of thing. It's it's healing. You know, I'm doing this right here, you know, kind of a thing, because it's kind of like... That, that whole part that I told you my last time in Puerto Rico, that's like, I wasn't able to talk about that with very many people, you know, like, I'll be honest, even as a Christian, um, the church that we went to, the, the denomination we were part of, it was like, and, and I found out it wasn't just that one, it's, it's kind of all over the place, <laughs> it's re- really ironic, uh, you can't talk about it. Mm. You know, it's 
Um, this is a weird comparison, and if you don't want to include this, that's fine. But it's almost like being LGBTQIA. Like, I can relate in that sense. In the sense of, you can't keep the, you have to hide this part of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, you can't tell anyone mm-hmm. about this. And it's kind of like, you know that it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, and having people tell you that it's not. And it's kind of like, it's not even saying anything. Yeah. You know, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, there's been a couple people I've been able to tell. You know, and I hope, I hope that doesn't sound lame. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's like, it's like it's something like, that's so important to a part of who you are, and you feel like yeah. you have to hide it. You know? Like, I myself am not, I consider myself, it's more like being an ally. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not actually part of the community itself, right? But, in some ways I stand adjacent to it because of this particular aspect. Mm-hmm. Like I shared affinity. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, it's not easy to talk about. You know, um, I mean, if you want to edit it out, that's fine. You know, that's no. cool. Um, but uh, but it's something that was very real. And I, uh, it's weird talking about, like, not weird. It's just like, it's like, oh boy, how is this going to be taken? You know, that kind of thing, like, you did it, and it's like, there were several events, like, it wasn't just what I told you, but there were, like, other things as well. You know, like, I would see things in mirrors, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. I saw this little child in the house, um, you know, this, and it was, I, I knew, but it wasn't like, I wasn't trying to make this whole big deal about it. It was just stuff that I was experiencing, and, um... In many ways, I tried to put it asleep inside of me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if unalive is the right word, but it was kind of like I was trying to like deaden it in a way. Yeah. You know, or it was kind of like it, it did happen, but it's kind of like you don't really know who you can tell. You talk about it with you, know, yeah. kind of a thing. And so, you know, but um, it happened. Um, I did lift the veil and saw beyond. Um, and uh, it's uh, it was an experience. I'll say that. And it's kind of like tied to the island. Hmm. And it's really, sometimes that's so strange, but you know, it was like I have a feeling I'm going to go back one more time. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe not. I just, this on the side of this is maybe I've, you know at some point um, but it's just you know like when, when you when you put that part of you you know like away mm-hmm. keep it hidden and it's like you kind of know who you can talk to about it and you know who you can't you know what I mean yeah. and so yeah yeah um, that's interesting that like you feel like it's kind of tied to the island sort of thing so yeah um i don't know what else to say about that it's just um sort of like located in in that like heritage um and do you think that's something you could experience without ever going back or do you want to go back sort of to like 
See oh, if it's something that you can connect with again, or... I'm sure I could experience it outside of that setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There are some things I am looking into. Uh, you know, possibly... Because, like, I've read about other things as well, like, um... Like shamanism. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I enjoy reading about that like with plants and stuff and I uh I would do ayahuasca yeah yeah or I would that's that um like the ceremony where you yeah. take yeah yeah and um I would I would um and it's like because like I'm finding things that I've learned in the past and then you actually see like the ones that teach you certain things, but then you see how they really act. And I've seen that over, over several years. And I've been journeying away from that. Mm-hmm. I've been moving away from those things. Like, I don't, like, like for myself, I'll say this. I am a, um, I'm a Buddhist leading Christian. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I think I may not in certain places, but I am. Yeah. Uh, I like Zen. Um, I very much did that. I've done Zen meditation. It's great. Oh my goodness. That's so cool. Um, I also like Tibetan Buddhism as well. The, the various aspects of it because there's, there's several. Um, I like studying other beliefs as well, as well as Christianity. Um, and it's not like. I don't. I don't. Th- I think that you need to have like a broader view you know to 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 see things as they really are you know it's like sometimes the view gets so narrow and that was one thing I've learned way back then in fact kind of like my I don't know logo my symbol has always been like the pyramid with the eye mm-hmm. you know uh, I mean, I had that chain a long time ago. I had like a medallion. I need to find it again. I've been looking enough to try to find a cool one. But that's always been kind of like mine. Mm-hmm. Like an awakening kind of a thing. Like being woke. Yeah. Or being awakened. Yeah. The awakened man, the enlightened, like the enlightened Buddha. Um, that kind of thing. And I'm very much into that. You know, kind of like where you can know. Here you can find things out. Mm-hmm. That that's okay. Yeah. Well, I went off on a tangent there. No, that's God. fine. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got lots of good stuff there. I actually wanted to go back and apologize, but it's been like 40 years. You know, you know I think it's really weird. And it's like, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I saw his name and I, it's like, you see the name of Sparks of Memory, something shaped what you did. And, but it's like, it's because it was short. So it was made fun. And I did one time. And I feel ashamed of it. But it was like that was the only time I ever did. And, but it was like I would defend my friends and other people. And it was because no one should be treated like they don't have value. Like everyone should be seen. Mm-hmm. You know? And I've been on TikTok lately and it's like, I love it because it's like such a cross section of humanity. You know? And all kinds of people. And people that are allies, and I'm finding myself, I am, you know, I didn't know what it meant, 
But like I'm, I'm, I'm finding you know, things, the definitions, and I'm a writer, so mm-hmm. I like definitions of words, you know. But um, it's so important, you know, uh, because like we need to treat people like they have value. That is so important. Everyone doesn't matter. You know, I've been finding stuff out like on TikTok, like about certain things, like. Like there's actually this one pastor. He gave, and I was checking out as his website where churches that are open, you know, in the area where you're at. And there was like there was a bunch over here. I was surprised, you know. Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. This is what I think Courtney goes to. You know, are we still recording? Well, I I liked what you were saying. Okay. So I, All right. I can, no, 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 I can I'm delete sorry. it if you want. No, no, that's fine. That's totally fine. No. Um, I just thought that was very nice. So. I'm but going. but you know what I mean. Yeah. That's kind of how I see it. Um, is that you gotta give people value no matter what. You know, like cis, trans, gay, lesbian, straight, whatever, mm-hmm. black, white. You know, all peoples need to be valued. That's what it comes down to, you know. And that's something <clears throat> that I've always believed. That's something Rebecca and I always try to, you know, teach the boys. Um, like, I'm not going to say, oh, I don't see color. I mean, you, you obviously see stuff, but it's like, how are you going to act on it? Yeah. You know, so someone has color. I mean, it's just another, you know, are you going to treat them differently? I really, you know, it's like, no. Mm-hmm. That's why some of those old stories are really good because it shows how people should be treated, you know. 